What's up, world? How we doing? How we living? Undeniable perception, episode 22. Brother from the same mother? Guess yes, Feliz. Muy Feliz. Feliz. 22. Feliz. Hey, man. I heard that song on the way here, and I just, it just. Just pull me in, so I have to talk about it immediately from the get go. I'm going, I'm going. It just so on the yeah, way here, yeah. the song came on. Quizás feliz, you know, it's an old classic uh, that various people have sang. You know, Luis Miguel, but became famous because of Javier Solis, and I'm sure you've heard it. The uh, but this version was from Julio Jaramillo, which was a very beautiful version. But what it did, man, it was the way it pulled me in. The because before when I heard it when I was younger, it was just more oh this love sentiment and I wasn't paying attention to the words even though they're very simple and this time hearing it it just had such a powerful message because it was about a love ending and a love relationship ending but that person just wishing that individual for them to be happy no matter what they do uh, regardless of how that person may still want and whatever they just want that person to be happy you know which is connected to you know the philosophy we read about the things that you the things that you preach about the things that we all want and one of the meditations that I was doing some time back one of the exercises when you were deep breathing was to visualize someone that you may have a beef with a problem with and just picture them smiling and them being happy and their entire feeling just their entire body just feeling with joy and that was magical man so you could put that heat out of your heart and soul and then having that joy for someone. So I see how that philosophy and that song was like yeah. and I was like, damn. Yeah. That's just deep, man. That's beautiful. That that made me think about so were you picturing like an ex in this meditation? Yeah, because I do as that. well. Yeah. So you the words just literally were written for you, so it literally embodied how you're currently feeling, right. and it fed the emotion visually and spiritually for but, you. But yeah, but also it was just because not to try to pat myself in the back, but I've always practiced just have, wishing the best for everyone. So I've never wished ill will towards anyone, any enemy of mine, or even if I, if I don't have enemies or people that dislike me, or whatever, or women that I've been with or past relationships. I've always wished the best for them, regardless. Absolutely. So I've never had that. I mean, because I always. My mom, our mom told me a long time when I was a kid, at our young age, like, man, if someone breaks your heart or whatever, you never show it. You just stand up, walk up straight and smile. Absolutely. So then, but when I heard this person singing right now, this version of it, the power of the song, man, obviously the power of the message, but the power of the song of hearing old songs to new ears or new versions, man. And that what the song was. Because I knew Julio Jaramillo, I knew the song, but I didn't know them together. And man, it was beautiful, man. It was powerful. But yeah, it was like, it immediately transports you to an ex or whatever the case may be. And it just reminds you of like, it just puts a romantic thing behind it of like, yeah, there's other people that feel this too. And even though I know this and I know I'm not alone in the world or I'm alone with these feelings and no one else has felt them. Everyone has felt feelings of this magnitude and this sort. But hearing it transmitted through someone's song back in the age that's just been you know it's just been imprinted in the world 40 years old or whatever the case may be that song 60 years old it still breathes on mm-hmm. that's beautiful man but with the meditation have you have you done guided meditation or when you meditate or have done in the past 
before that, before I answer that, I want to circle back how, how, how you really felt that song. And did this song come up randomly on your playlist, or how did this song? Because you said you heard this song on the drive yeah. over here, and I could, I could feel the your energy and your vibrations and the the passion behind your voice as yeah as was, you're describing this. Yeah, man, it's uh, cool. You had a meet you. Um, it randomly came on. I forgot where I heard this song. I don't know if it was to like YouTube or something. The song just came up out of nowhere. And I was like, man, I love this guy. I heard this guy forever. And this was a few weeks back. Mm -hmm. So then I just went, you know, recently on Apple and I was hearing, you know, different uh, songs of his. So this one, that was one like a collection of 40 hits. And I put on Apple and yeah. I just put it on Shovel and I had it heard it all the way through. Wow. And this song just came on. So the first time dude, I heard that, this version. Dude, that's crazy because do you feel like repaired because of this? Rejuvenated? Absolutely, man. Yeah, because, dude, it's crazy because I heard about this Mercury, mm. what is it, Mercury Retrograde? Retrograde, I think you said. Yeah, Mercury Retrograde, and and it's supposed to be like a moment where you feel a little lethargic, a little tired, but it gives you a little time to repair, retract, rethink, mm. reponder, and reshuffle. Well, what is a Mercury retrograde? Does that have to do with uh, the Earth? And yeah, I guess the, the Earth. Axis, the way it spins. I'm, or... I'm not too educated on it with astrology or okay. or much of that. But from the very little that I see, it's because it's during the the sea. It's, it's during the Gemini season, and okay. it's Mercury circling around the sun. Okay, so it's during that weird time of it, and that's where it's gonna like. So we'll just stick to the idea of it if we don't if yeah, we know too much exactly. of it. It's a, it's a good idea, right? Yeah, exactly. But what, back to your question, though. Guided meditations, yes, man. When when I was first introduced to yoga, when I first started doing yoga, I would say when I was 21, dude. When I was doing it at least twice a week in 24-hour fitness. And at the end of my vinyasa class, they would do shavasana. And that's when we would lay down on our yoga mat and our yogi teacher she would um spray shavasana like a homemade one with like organic mints and anything she grew i don't know i forget so she would like spread tell everyone to lay down and she would spray this on everybody so everyone could feel like more of a sense relief okay. and then she guides you through a meditation so a sensory so sensory with scents and smells and relaxation, but she, when you said she guided you through meditation, so she would have visualizations? Yes, and, and I would. The first, the, the first one I felt was a raindrop on my forehead. Yeah, you mentioned that. And then, and then little did I know, like when you get more educated on this, like, oh, like it's a, I, like I feel something, I feel a vibration, that's okay. a chakra. That's my penal gland that I'm feeling, my third eye. But that was your experience with it, but would she tell, talk to you guys about the guiding through like yeah that, like she like would just relax like with what like what she, she would just say just picture yourself mm. one with the earth okay. melt onto the ground gotcha. now feel raindrops falling on you and that you're just sense. like in a relaxed zen state because you just went through like a grueling 50 minute vinyasa workout because it's just like repetitive and quick and you're like breaking a sweat okay and then the like last taxing, 10 minutes like taxing to the body yeah taxing to the body in the last 10 minutes you thank your body like you're replenishing you're rejuvenated and that's, beautiful, that's when man. the guided meditation helps you tap Dude, into that, that power the meditation guided through, man. i fought it for so long too and 
don't why way the only reason I think why I used to fight it in the past was because I was I think I was just fearful of that silence, you know, where 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 am I gonna go in the depths of my brain with this when it all goes quiet, right? Mm-hmm. But it's about embracing it, right? Embracing your fears and going into that. And that's funny you now say that. that. I've done that. Yeah. It's been um, it's great, man. That's funny you say that. Embracing your fears because they say that meditation is kind of like a way of of um, getting getting used to death, which Silence, is like, right? which is a crazy crazy thing to think about. If you think about it like that, it is wild because we don't know what death is. Yeah. Yeah, right. very true. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. Speaking of the, the song, the music, man, it, it makes you think about to stick to that same song. So I was like, man, who wrote this? So immediately, I was like, let me check online. So when I was parked, I started checking. Well, who wrote this song? And at first, uh, these Mexican sites are just putting the the lyrics, mm-hmm. and they're putting like who sang it and such. And mm-hmm. typically, when you go to the American sites and you put a song, a lot of times you'll find who wrote it right away. But this one, no. I was like, man, who wrote this song? So then I had to like, oh, who wrote this song, right? And it finally came through, and it was a female. Wow. So then on top of that, and that, that passion came from Consuelo Velasquez. And then I come to find out, Consuelo Velasquez Torres, she also wrote Besame Mucho, one of the most you know, wow. famous songs. Besame, you know that song, and she wrote that when she was like sixteen. She wrote that song when she was sixteen, man. <laughs> wow, that was okay. wild, man. I was like, geez. So she. Uh, and hold on, like, he's not using auto tune. That's his voice. He's yeah. he's a singer. I'm a Darth Vader. He he gets Vader. He gets down on the, the words, on so the vocals. The uh, so man, so I'll see my man. Just that. Which later on me think about the Stones, how they have that song called It's the Singer, Not the Song. Right? And I think I'm, I'm all about embracing both things, right? Because it has to be the message with the song, but how much does it have to do with the, the, the singer, the way they interpreted the music? Because a lot of people knock artists like Elvis and all this stuff, like, oh, they didn't write anything, they just sang. But man, there's an art to that, don't you know? Because yeah. only that person can sing it the way they do it They're and interpret- execute it that way. The perception of it, huh? Yeah. Like well, just the, the interpretation coming out. and the way it, it comes through this. And we were just born to be singers. Like, Frank Sinatra. That made me think of me, yeah. like California Dreaming. The song California. Yeah, Mamas and the Papas. I love that song. Right. But I never heard the other version until. Which version? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's right. Who, who did that version? Oh, dude. But it I wasn't Mamas and Papas who did that version because they wrote it. They wrote it. I think I'm not sure, but like hearing his version, you know, I was like, "What? That's cool." But it's more depressing in a sense because of what you're saying. It's like the melody of the way he's singing it, and it's right. like I'm missing California. I'm dreaming about California. But like when the mamas and papas does it, it's like charismatic, energetic. Spiritual, like, right. oh, we gonna make it to California. Let's go. The uh, yeah, good point, man. Jose Feliciano. There you go, Jose Feliciano, the blind guy. Who's blind? Yeah. Wow. He's the one that sings. I wanna wish you merry. Are you serious? That's Jose Feliciano. He Shout also, out to Jose he Feliciano. Also does that, that door song, that version. Which um, door song? I need to hear this. Know that I won't be untrue. Unreal. Yeah, okay. he does a great version. Oh man, that guy's a savage. 
Yeah, he was a savage man. But yeah, you're right. His version is ridiculous. But man, California Dream, when you bring that up, that is such a magical I song. I stepped into a church. I remember, I remember when I was a kid, I used to hear it nonstop. And I it would just that. elevate me, take me elsewhere. Yes. Like everything's possible. Same. I bought the tape. I still have it. It was in Green Mountain. It was on Papa's Greatest Hits. But that song is magical, man. Absolutely. You felt like, like you were traveling with them. Like you were on a journey somewhere and you yes. imagine yourself young like things are hopeful but also scary because mm-hmm. you don't know what's around that corner. I remember I wanted to write a song that said California dreaming with an inland empire state of mind. Okay. I'm all, let's get it. But I need to get back to that. So the world, I think the that's world is cool, still waiting for it. The world's still waiting for it. Just wait. <laughs> so speaking that you brought, brought California dreaming up, so what do you think about that idea then? Yeah, I get it. Songwriters are amazing. We need the songwriters. Mm-hmm. But just mm-hmm. to stick to the topic of singers, how mm-hmm. they interpret the song and how they put it through. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? Was there a time when you were knocking singers? Because there was a while when I did, but I never knocked it because I was brought up in just a lot of singers. And then I was like, oh, they write it too. Other people write it. And then that elevates that. I never really paid attention to behind the scenes. I was more, more of a feeling out, like like Espinosa Paz, mm-hmm. Un Hombre Normal. Mm-hmm. That's on. Like he doesn't sound like the best singer, but he writes it though, so that's different. Okay, but you just feel the passion, right? But you don't think somebody could embody that? Like that's why we love yeah, Walking Phoenix. He embodies it. Elvis Presley embodied those songs. He's a performer, right? That's Michael what, that's- Jackson, Thrill album. It's one of the greatest albums of all time. He did not write any, mostly, or is that the only album he wrote? I think Michael Jackson wrote a lot of stuff. I don't know, man. But the thing, I mean, I don't know enough, but with that, uh, but just sticking to that idea, will you agree then, then? Just like like that, just that idea of the the Rolling Stones, it's a singer, not the song. It's the way the person interprets it. That's a a great perspective. It's a great performance. The way they push it through. I like that. But a lot of people knock it. A lot of people knock it. It's like, no, they didn't write their shit. It's half the battle, bro. Yeah. You know, like. Some people just have that talent, that gift to do that. Like, I remember, that makes me think about, like, when uh, Conor McGregor was trying to come up in the UFC Mm -hmm. and he had, like, a meeting with Dana White before Dana White, like, really saw his highlights and stuff. Okay. And he was like, man. If this guy could fight half as good as he could talk, we got to start. He already had it. He, he got a talking talk, man. Because he had that talk because that's half of it. That's half the game, man. So that's there you go. The performance, man. It matters, yeah. So sticking with, with, with the songwriters or just singers and then the embodiment of that that idea of the performance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with whatever witchcraft they have. Mm-hmm. So these last few days, there was there was a few anniversaries, some good, some bad. Which one was a good one? Anniversary yesterday. What was it? Yesterday was Kanye West's forty fourth birthday. The goat, right? The goat. One of the goats. Greatest of all time. One of the goats for hip hop. You having me up? So it was his forty four year old birthday, man. So forty four, dog. Jerry was. Even though I don't want you to name just one song to put it as a thing, don't don't feel like you're chained to it, like it's your greatest favorite song. But right now, if you think of talk about one song for me, whether it's through his, and it's to stick with that idea of his performance of that song, what song are you feeling right now? If you could talk about one song right now. Okay, that I've seen perform, no, or one song that I'm seeing. It doesn't matter. Just his performance of what we're talking about right now. St. Pablo, the song St. Pablo. What? It was what the, is it about it? 
just the passion behind it, the honesty, and just like what he says. It just makes you think. What are some of the things that he says on the spit something for him? He says, troll conventional thought. Don't need a question. I know it's antiquated, so sometimes I get aggressive. Mm. And that's him where he's at at this moment in life, right? The point in time. Dude, and it's so true because sometimes you're like thinking so far ahead. Because I remember one of my mentors told me, anything could be a good idea, but sometimes it's not the right idea at the moment. Mm -hmm. But later on down the road, hey, you know what? You're right. And sometimes it takes people a while or anybody in general or in your respected craft where you're at where you might sometimes feel a sense of frustration because someone might not see your vision right right yeah and then within that song it resonates with me like how what you're talking about how the song can sienta uh que seas feliz que seas feliz like how you're feeling that like that that's what saint pablo makes me feel because that's where i'm at a point like I, I really feel that song, really, really good song. I'll that's, send it to you. Check it out. I know that album. It's an incredible song. Yeah. And, and I love and I love not categorizing things into like, oh, my favorite or this or that. Only it's fun when you have those discussions. So that's why I was very specific the way I asked the question to you was which song are you feeling right now? Yeah. With the idea behind it of his performance of it, right? Yeah. The uh, and then the not and then and the sad anniversary. Yes, it was. Uh, Anthony Bourdain's third, third year of his death. Oh, R.I.P., man. R.I.P., you know, that was um, one of the greats, man, talking about the GOAT. Just, he, everything he brought forth, his, the way people had spoken about him, friends, people that were, whatever, partners, business partners, uh, people that would just meet him, people that he met, how he was just so human and so empathetic and just present in the moment, no matter what it was. He wasn't highfalutin, he wasn't like, oh, like, I'm better than you, nothing like that. I mean, he was in the presence of someone, he would always be respectful, give them their time, and, um, but also cocky within himself, you know, confident mm -hmm. about himself and his opinions and all that, you mm -hmm. know, and they didn't hold back. But the way he treated them with respect, and he said he would always show up early to every meeting, doesn't matter who it was with, whoever it was, someone small, someone big, and as much as I admire him, respect him, and love him, and I have for a long time, I loved him even more when I read a piece somewhere about him. I think it was in, 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 uh, how he always gave so much love and respect to the Mexican immigrants and their influence in That's the culinary hard. arts because no one else would talk about that. You know, He talked about how all the kitchens I've been to in my life, these are the room by Mexicans. You know, the, the cooking, the, the, the things that they would do with it. And he... Yeah. And then I read the piece a long time ago, and it just reminds me of it right now. But he, how he, um, I forget they said it like five or ten different times when he talked about it and elevated that man. Rest in peace, man. All right, just a, yeah. I'm happy that you brought him up because he is one of those transcending personalities that yeah. is in a vessel for anybody or, or whatever you want to call it. Example of a person that adapts. He was he a black belt in jujitsu, or he would do jujitsu, right? I don't know if he ever got his black belt, but he started late. I think he started training in his fifties, exactly. And no matter where he would travel, he always make sure there was a, a jujitsu gym. What? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, and he would find his jujitsu gym and do it. And he wrote a book too. I don't know if he wrote a book about jujitsu, but he's got several. Books. No, but he wrote 
books. Yeah, okay. he got, well, do you know the story how he so came big? So he's multifaceted. Big? Do you know how he, no, so he, how he came so, You know, he was always in, in cooking. Mm. You know, I know the show. But yeah. he was a dishwasher. He was like always in the line chef, things like that. But he never ran a restaurant, right? So he was, you know, he was at the bottom. And then he was a heroin addict for a mm. while. And I was like, so he wasn't doing anything with his life other than like partying, you know, very punk rock. And then just working at the kitchen. He always loved the kitchen because he thought they were like the outsiders. You know, they always stayed up all night, That's cool. cooking, doing, doing that up. Then he'd go out drinking all night, you know, wake up in the middle of the day, do your thing, and then go back to work, right? That's cool. But he, I think he had took one writing class, he said. But, you know, he, he's an intelligent guy, right? And, and, his, and also he has a really good taste, right? So one day he decided to write this, uh, this piece on, I forget the name of it, but it was it was a famous piece that he wrote. At the, it was about kind of like the underbelly, the underbelly of cooking, like don't order seafood on Monday, don't order the fish on Monday or stuff like that, right? And I believe at that time he was already like, a, I think he was already a chef in New York, right? And he would submit it everywhere. Everyone would turn it down. Like this piece it was a short story piece, turn down, turn down, turn down, turn down, right? And, uh, one day his mom's like, why don't you turn it into the New Yorker? You know, the New York Times or the New Yorker or whatever. Nice. Like, yeah, yeah, right, mom. The Village Voice turned it down. All these people turn it around. So it'd be the equivalent, right? Like you make a demo, you you shop it around to all the indie small labels in your, around here. Like, oh, like, yeah. like Misfits Garage Records, right? Things like that, right? And mm-hmm. it's like, no, it's not good enough. Nah, nah, nah. Back in the day when they said, obviously not modern times because, you know, people put their music out. But, and then your mom's like, why don't you send it to Sony? To or Def why, Jam. You know, why send it to Def Jam, right? Right, so then uh, he said in a moment of hubris. He doesn't know if he was drunk or buzz or whatever, but he just felt really good on himself. He just sent it in to the New Yorker. Hell yeah, dude. And they're like, this is gold. We're publishing it. They published it. Right? Wow. He became almost like, in the literary world at that time, was like an overnight sensation. But how old was, was he? Dude, when he was he, like 44, 45. 44? 44, 45. Ooh, that's how Connie said. And then that's right funny. away, they gave him a book deal from wow. there. Because it was a different time then. Think about it. Like, it wasn't like, you know, like, yeah. they wrote that piece. And then from there, he wrote a book, went on a show, started doing the shows. Because there's different iterations of the show. But yeah, man, that's how it came. But moment that's of hubris, bro. Beautiful. That's another lesson of like, doesn't matter what people tell you, man. Like, yeah, a lot of people could be wrong. A, a lot, lot of people right. can be antiquated. Yeah, and a lot of people think that <laughs> oh, because they think they're they're higher up. Yeah, like oh, your shit's no good. Yep. You know, you could shop around your film or whatever you're doing to anyone, and all these low budget companies like that. Nah, this is garbage. Robert Rodriguez, right? Yeah. How he made his film, he did it on a $3,000, $6,000 budget, oh, yeah. put it together from film straight to video with his intention to learn how to be a good filmmaker and shop it around to all those Mexican outlets that will go straight to video, those horrible cartel This movies. was El Mariachi? Yeah. And they yeah. all would turn it down. But then Columbia saw it. And there was a bidding war for They him. saw the They saw and the they vision. Was, I forget exactly. Yeah. They, there was a bidding war for him. See? And yeah. it's a higher up. It's like, no, that shit's awesome. So sometimes it's, what do you think it is with that that other people that got your level maybe like, no, nah, not that your idea suck or whatever, but then someone hired you like, no, that's a bomb idea. What do, what do you think that is? Dude, that could be a, I don't know, man. Like the smaller companies right. not wanting right. to expose someone. 
probably. I don't know. Who knows, right? What goes into it? Or we're in that prism of thought thinking, no, we don't have a diamond in front of us. They they live there. They probably embody what they think. Like we're just a small label, right? We don't need this. And it's like that trap, that that prison of thought, right? Because we we all know we hear artists thinking Mm -hmm. about music or films that aren't even that good, but yet they're super popular. Mm -hmm. But yet we accept that, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's people that are diamonds somewhere else that are at the bottom, but they don't get the opportunity. They don't get the opportunity. That's wild, man. That is wild, man. That went a little. I like that there. though, man. But I want to highlight like he still went for it, and he didn't get polarized till forty four. Got him that opportunity till forty four right. years old. Yeah. So that just shows you, man. Just always staying open, pursuing it. Whatever you do, it's it's gonna get there. And that's, regardless, and that's why his life ended up being he was so accomplished from that point on because he knew mm-hmm. all the things that he had missed out on. Right, and then yep. from there he was able to embrace everything, and also his perspective as a forty-four-year-old and older man at that time to go into these different countries and all that. He had a different view and way about the world to do it, as opposed to let's say if he was twenty-four. Absolutely, different, right? Great point. Great point. Man, that was uh, that was great, man. It's just rest in peace. The I was going to ask you about the. Uh, we were talking about the power of the song, right? When you're reading something, do you, is it depending on the subject, do you think, do you try to just view it through your eyes and think, you know, it's a male that's writing it, if it were a male writing it? Or do you think like, oh, it could be through the perspective of a woman? Like just to bring back that idea, like when I heard that song, it was a mm-hmm. male singing it, so I'm going it through my way. And then I come to find out it's a woman who wrote it. Mm-hmm. Do you do any of that? When you think it's a man or you think, oh, it's a man who wrote it, but you're not a woman or vice versa? I've never, I've never done, done that. But when you bring that up, it makes me think about that mo- this moment when my lady sent me a poem and she said, babe, this reminds me, this, this just reminds me that a, a girl would say, of something that a girl would say. Okay. So pretty much like a poem, like he he like writes poems. His name's R. H. Sin. And my okay. lady loves him. Okay. And he pretty much just writes poems for, I believe, like a woman's perspective. I would say, because hmm. he has like poems like. Let me read a random one. So something like that, you think it's through the perspective of a woman that a man is trying to take in, or that's how she sees it, or your your girl, or what? That's the way I see it. So, okay. like, it says, just to read a random one. Yeah. The saddest souls seem the happiest. I see your smile. I hear your laughter. And yet, I feel your pain. So, it's, like, very empathetic, sympathetic. So, I would say that's why. Okay. So, something like that you feel or... I don't. Okay. You I, don't. Per- I personally don't put anything on it. Oh, that's right. You, you said yeah. So but, that's good, then, man. Because you, but do you like me? I always seem to filter, like my own through it, and it's about learning how to let that go and not do that, right? Okay, I just do more of a feel process, like what I feel about this the song, not what I think about the song. So that's the huge difference that I would say. If I think more about the song, that's where the digging is gonna come. Mm. Where did those lyrics come from? And that's just me putting a label on it 
rather than just embracing how I feel about it. Right. If we we always hear the cliche or we always hear the quote uh, separate the man from the art or separate the yeah. man from the music. I get it. Yeah. So we could just keep it using for lack of a better term using that as a quote we could use that as the same thing right yeah when I whenever I get into anything whatever especially like a film I always just try to f- experience it first and feel it first right because I don't mm-hmm. mind revisiting stuff and I do it all the time mm-hmm. depending on something I really like or if something just sticks with me because when I'm watching, you know, like certain shows or whatever, we have that craze, you know, I don't go on Reddit for this stuff, or that, but there's this craze of like, oh, who done it? Oh, let me try to figure it out. Is it this person? Is it that person? I don't like doing that. I hate doing that shit because yeah. you're pulling yourself away from it. And I know it's like fun and all that for the people, but I don't find it fun. I just like to experience it and watch it. Sometimes it may hit me, the conversation's talking and we end up talking about that. But I don't like to do that, man. I mm-hmm. feel like it robs you from the experience. I know you don't watch previews, right? No, I do. Okay. But there's certain previews. If there's a movie that I really want to watch, you only watch like I, a minute, like right? a second of it, because I don't, I don't, because I feel like I'm trying to piece things together. And a lot of times they do it to confuse you. They'll put things together a way to think like, oh, you can think this can happen, but then it's a turn. But they're already showing you some visual. Of it, you yeah. Know? So like I, those three minute ones. And there's other some some trailers I get it do the business like they want to show you the whole damn movie. And I was like, nah, nah. But a lot of times I'm not into those movies anyways. What does Tupac say? What does Tupac say? I want it if it's that easy. That's what you say, right? With previews, like those five-minute clips. Yeah, that should that Mortal Kombat. You don't watch it. Should be on it, man. That's a good one. I like that callback. (laughs) That made me think about that. That's funny. Speaking of a film that I just saw that just is still resonating with me right now, but I'm also a fucking um, what is it? What I'm looking for, man. I'm also like a little. little artsy fartsy punk sometimes man you know because mm-hmm. I like a lot of that shit too but a lot of times I also make fun of it too because a lot of stuff is like oh look at this no not, I don't mean like that but I like a lot of like you know I love A24 production company I love stuff like that and I like a lot of like foreign films or movies but yeah so when, and the reason why I say like artsy fartsy sometimes it's like when I see the previews and you see Hailed by critics as the, you know, yeah, you really do. I'm like, I already get goosebumps, and we're like, oh, this is gonna be good. And it could just yeah. be a Terrence Malick movie with someone rushing, running their fingers through a wheat field. And I'm like, that looks amazing. Like the Moonlight program. Right. You know, amazing. shit like that, you know? Yeah. And it's like, so then I was going through Hulu because I know you and your girl always go to that. And you guys say there's always a lot of good movies there. Mm-hmm. And a lot, lately I've getting no funk. I'm like, oh, nothing looks good. You know how we talk about it? you get worn down. You're just yeah, looking bro. for shit. No, and even though back in the day, you'd be like, oh, this is cool because we have one option. But you have like hundreds of options. It's, it's a bad. prison. Options are bad. It's like 30 minutes, you're worn down. Like, man, I saw a thousand previews. I'm just going to go to bed. Exactly. You know, or it took me 30 minutes to do this. I'm done. Right? Yeah, and then, dude. So then I was like, man, pace back, Raul. Pace back and just yeah. choose something. And then I saw... I selected this one movie because Leia been watching a lot of Asian films and one mm-hmm. of Asian horror films. And then there's a movie that came up that wasn't Asian horror, but like the critics were like, "This is a great movie." And the title alone is great, but it's it's taken by an author. It's a long journey, a long journey into night. A long journey into night. Okay. I forget who the writer is, man. I don't know if it's John Steinbeck or what, but I have to look it up. Who it is, man? That one's good. But uh. 
they took that from the that uh, that writer. But this film, man, okay, it's still hitting me, man. Because when I was watching, it's very slow. And it's trans. Well, you watch the captions, right? It's, you it's read Chinese. The captions? Sometimes, okay. yeah. It's a Chinese That's film, right? And then the first hour, it's about it mixes past, present, and it goes up and down. Right. Pulp fiction. It's not like that. Like okay. Pulp Fiction made it look fucking cool, right? Like yeah. that was just fucking. Come on, man, that shit's pulp. You know, it's like God, thrilling, damn. right? Yeah. And I know you. You always bring up Pulp Fiction. Remember when you were young? No matter what it was, it'd be like, dude, this movie was so good. Better than Pulp Fiction. <laughs> man, I'm talking about. I'm talking about something. I forgot. I was gonna bring it. you know about everything, everything. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, dude, I saw this uh, this new uh, this. Uh, did you like the new uh, Spider-Man movie? Is it better than Pulp Fiction? I remember those so, days. So, the, um, the guns were mad. So, the first hour is just like past and <laughs> present, right? But, you know, they don't tell you when it happens. You just have to be paying attention because it's cut and the character looks a little older and all this other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But to not bore you too much, after the first hour of the film, I think you should watch it. You probably won't, though. They, they send him to be like, hey, go watch this movie because he was waiting for this karaoke show to start because he was uh-huh. seeking the woman that got away, right? Okay. And he had found out through the way, way uh, you know, grapevine and through like a little investigation that she was in this outskirts of this town singing karaoke somewhere. That was the last time it was going to be in there and then close it down. So he makes his way there and one of the ladies who's kind of like a prostitute so I don't know if it's like glass slash singers prostitutes or whatever. It's like, oh, we open in a few hours. Why don't you go see a woman and come back, right? So he goes to this theater and it's like a three D movie and he sits there. Very few people in the theater. He puts on his three D glasses, but he ends up crashing out by right? sleeping. Mm-hmm. And it cuts to black the first hour of that film, and then when it comes back to life, it's the title of the film: A Long Journey, A Long Day's Journey into Night. And this is the beginning and of the now it's just a dream. It's just a dream sequence. And it's one long continuous shot without it. Oh, because he's dreaming. For the last hour. Oh, and it's nice. how you connect little things in your dream, things that happen in your life. Like you could have talked about an ice cream sundae in your dream. There was, oh, I met the man, Mr. Ice. But you connected with that. And it's just, it was magical, man. It was on Hulu. It's on, it's on That's Hulu. That's what's up, man. Hulu's magical, legit, man. dude. Low key, man. They're probably the best. Next to HBO. HBO's the best. For sure. So why would you always rep Pulp Fiction? And you still do. Dude, I still haven't seen a movie better than that. Since since you showed it to me. and Well, everything I remember was... Vid, through TV was 1995. 96. Like around that area. It was the first time I remember like television vividly. So that's when I remember Pulp Fiction at that age. So I was probably seven. Okay. And then I've probably seen it 15 times since, 18 times since. It, can, you, can you take me back when you saw it? I was or just mind blown. Okay. I just was like, like it's, it's a mess. Like at first time I saw it, I'm like, how did he make this so perfect? Like it's so messy, but perfect. Like how, how, really how do you put the end in the middle, in the middle, in the beginning? Like I remember every time I would, I would, I would make it like, I don't like I would make it a point where I would be like sh- I would show everyone I meet this movie like I would tell all my homies yo you ever seen Pulp Fiction like what like horrible comparison but like how 
how someone would try to put t- tell someone about Christianity or something. Right. That was like my calling. Like that's what I would do with Pulp Fiction. Like, hey, bro, let me show you're, you you're this. On a, you're on a Pulp Fiction crusade, dude. Ever since fifth grade, bro. Have you seen Pulp Fiction? Have you seen but like at that time when you were like seven or you first saw it? Were you really thinking how did he piece this together? In, yeah. In the way of a filmmaker. Dude, Away. dude, yes, Away. yes. So dude, you know, you tell me, you see talented Mr. Ripley, bro. I was just play chess with you, bro. I don't know so what the director would, was at that age. I love Quentin Tarantino. But at that man. age, you already were thinking about how they piece it together as a director, dude. Because I was, I never seen that's anything wild. like that before. Little, that was the first little, time. Savant, huh? What is that? Uh, just, he sang the one. Uh, Savant is like someone that's just like extraordinary, like a head oh, of something. Appreciate you know, like a, like a homeless person who will kick your ass in chess or something. Oh shit! And then we may function in real life, but in chess you're just masters. That's like a Savant. The uh, but no man, I, at that age I didn't think about that stuff. Not till later when I was in high school I started thinking about a filmmaker and what they do and how they get into it. But at that when I was really young, I'd be like, wow, that was a cool. Movie. Well, I would say twelve. But that was that's cool. That you started so when you started thinking about like that, grade. Like when you were thinking about like kind of piece it together, mm-hmm. you, first of all, you just kind of like shocked by everything that went into like the dialogue. How they I was just shocked how it could be like. How can you make that dope? And it was real at the same time. Like how shocking the movie was the first time seeing it, or for anyone that could probably have a sensitive stomach or yeah. sensitive to things, right? Will probably not like that movie, and it pushes that type of envelope, and it makes it seem like the impossible possible and that's what i like i'm a big fan of that probably that's that was probably my first introduction with that type of feeling damn man so that's why it's always hit you hard i probably would say that yeah it's one of my favorite films yeah but i don't think i would put it in my top five damn i'll put a list not talking about greatness right i think it's one of the greatest films ever yeah but in terms of favorite of mine or maybe it is in my top five like who, I'm talking about not putting yeah. things into list and I'm putting it into I know, list. I know, right? But it's just like about I just like it, okay? You know? I, lo- I love that. Film, <laughs> That's cool. That's such an impact on you, man. Yeah, man, definitely. I appreciate you for introducing me to that, bro. Never forget. Dude, but I wanted to bring back that quote, probe the quote, bro. Oh, I love it. Because I always hear this term. Got a bone to pick. Yeah, I got a bone to pick, bro. Like, I, would, the quote. What's I always hear this saying. Not even a quote, I'll say saying. And I always hear this saying, and I've caught myself using it at times as well, where, where I say, we finally made it to Friday. Mm. So that term, we finally made it to Friday. That kind of, what do you think about that? This is what I think about it. Don't live for the weekend. Don't just live for the weekend. Man. Yeah. Um, for men... Your life's a journey, man. It ends, ends, it ends quickly, man. Yeah. So the way I see it, man, I get it. Some people just say shit just to say it without thinking. You know, so you're going to just roll with it. But the way I think about it is like it's sad if people really do feel that way because it's kind of like we worked this hard five days yep. so we can enjoy half. Do we enjoy two and a half days? Exactly. Dude, that's what made, that's when you nailed it. You wanna, you wanna, because you that bothers me. That that's what I feel like. We're getting comfortable. Like like that. That's just what makes me feel like if we just say that, we'll be comfortable. We're just grinding for. This is what Dame Dash says: grinding for a weekend. 
That's what it sounds like. It is. What it sounds You're just like. grinding for a week and that's it. You're just waiting for Saturday to Sunday to come. And when you hear... We're embracing that, bro. And when you hear it just irks you. It irks me now, thinking about it. Like, I don't want to contribute to that because I don't want to, like... Yeah, it could be a positive thing. Yeah, we're happy. We're joyous. We're going to celebrate, I guess, whatever. But if we're taking a step back and looking at the grand scheme of things, are we really? Right. Are we really happy? It's Friday. We should be happy every day. And I feel that we're dumb, like we're we're boxing us in for saying that. Yeah, we're limiting like it, ourselves, right? No, I agree with limiting you. Limiting ourselves, man. A lot of people don't stop to even think about it that way. And I know this is kind of extreme, but I want to compare it to it. It'd be like almost like saying like, you're single, right? Mm-hmm. You're single when you're single. But you're about to get married. You're like, oh, 28 years before I get married, finally. Like, yeah. and it's just like everything else didn't matter before that. Yeah, and it's, I know it's extreme, but it's just like putting like a, like a like a like a line there, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, money through money through Friday to the end of work. Yeah, just grinding it out for this. You're right, man. It's not good. Like, I feel like that quote's probably built in, you know, like engraved for people to think that way. Like, I'm not right. Like it may like makes you think like what, what did Mayweather say? He's like. Man, the person that said that quote was probably broke. What do you say? I forget, man, but I, Mayweather says a lot of <laughs> He's gold, shit, man. man. He freaking says a lot of like, uh, when he talks about the prize fighters, and they'd be like, man, you should fight the best fighters. He's like, man, I'm a prize fighter. <laughs> I fight for the biggest prize. It keeps it so real, that's, that's what I do, you know? Like, and that's what, yeah. uh, man, because you dropped the... Uh, I kind of want to end it, man, just, you know, to Let me hear to, re- to rest in peace, man. Like, I really wanted to leave leave off with the uh, Anthony Bourdain Pope with something good. But right now, do you have one for Kanye first, man, to celebrate both, you know, his birthday and uh, the life of Anthony Bourdain? Do you have anything from him in your head, whether it's in a song, lyric, or whatever? He has a quote that says, um, wash the brain, don't brainwash. I like that. Nice. And I think I'm going to leave with this one because it's filled with humility. Humility. Mm. Um, humility, I'm sorry. So I always entertain the notion that I'm wrong or that I have to revise my opinion. Most of the time, that feels good. Sometimes it really hurts and it's embarrassing. Revise. Keep growing, man. Keep learning. I like it, man. You well, feel good, brother? I feel great. I feel rejuvenated. So do I, man. I love you, man. That's, yeah, uh, you, you know, man. speaking of the, the Mercury, what was it? The Retrograde? Yeah, man. Do you right? remember that songwriter has a song called Retrograde, right? Remember James Blake? Oh, yeah. There you go. Hey, oh, man. And that then, feels like Mercury's going around the sun. And then... If that's what it is. That's what it is. All right. And then my my name, Renato, means reborn. There we go, man. We'll stick to that roll. Let's do it, baby. Warrior. Nice. I don't know. Let's do it. We're born warriors, baby. Love you, man. Love you, too. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe and comment. Undeniable.com. Peace. Take it easy, y'all.